We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What is up, everybody? Happy Friday! Welcome into another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Really quick, thank you so much to our new Pro Bowl members, Chad Kelly, John Bland, Wesley Anderson, which I'm going to call you Wes Anderson, Wade Durbin, Joshua O'Mara, Income Options Trading, Deb, Chris Lamb, Michael Castern, and Dan O'Donohue. Appreciate you guys a ton. PJ Wynn and Most Hated Minnesotan, of course, are Hall of Fame members. If you are interested in becoming a member, check out our Pack-A-Day podcast YouTube page. I already did two members-only videos this week if you want to check those out. One on week one lessons that Matt LaFleur needs to learn from over the past few years, as well as my predictions for this upcoming season. So go sign up right now. Also, I have a happy hour planned for tonight, 4 p.m. Lambo time on on Friday. So if you're interested in that, make sure to check that out as well. Meanwhile, we kicked off the actual NFL season, which is what we've been waiting for this entire offseason. It's finally here. And semi-surprisingly, the Lions defeat the Chiefs 21-20. to Not going to get into a huge breakdown here. It looked like at first the Chiefs were just going to kind of not maybe cruise through this, but you know they had the, the touchdown plus lead and it looked like they were just going to probably go on autopilot for the remainder of the game. And then you had the big, you know, interception return for a touchdown by the Lions and the Lions just kind of took it from there. And the Chiefs were never able to get it back. Give credit to the Lions. It was an impressive performance to go into Kansas City, one of the toughest places to play on banner night and, you know, celebrating their Super Bowl victory from a season ago and to defeat the Chiefs. And while I think the Lions deserve a ton of credit, 
That was a pretty awful performance by the Chiefs. And I get no Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey, et cetera, but that was a very poor performance. Kadarius Toney, one of the worst games that I can like remember anyone playing in a really long time. All the drops, the the tip ball that led to the pick six by Branch, like just just a really bad game. And I thought just some of the decision making, the the fourth and twenty-five at the end of the game. Just just a really rough look for the Chiefs. And this is why dynasties are so hard. And, and to be clear, I think the Chiefs are going to be just fine. I'm not worried about the, the Chiefs moving forward. But this is the, some of the things that happen. Specifically, like players want to get paid after you do really, really well. And Chris Jones, we're seeing that right now. And you've got to figure out a way to pay some of those players. If not, things get a little bit complicated. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you go into the season, you got one of your star players that's a little bit banged up and can't play. You've got another that's holding out due to contract. And you know, all of a sudden you don't have Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. This is a team that is led by superheroes, meaning Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes. That's the the catalyst for this entire team. You don't have two of those guys and it starts looking pretty pedestrian pretty quick. And like I said, Kansas City is going to be just fine. That was a, a nice win by the Lions, but a poor performance by Kansas City on a day that they were supposed to celebrate and did celebrate their championship from a season ago. Obviously it doesn't help the NFC North, but you got to respect the Lions and going into Kansas City on that specific night, opening night, and getting a victory. I think when the NFL announced it, you know, as Packer fans, we know that Detroit had a nice season last year. But when you initially announced the game and you're looking at all the different opponents that Kansas City could face week one at home, Detroit, Kansas City, not usually one of those premier matchups. You're not expecting the Lions to maybe be there with the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs, but kudos to the NFL schedule makers. That was a really fun game and the Lions somehow come out with the victory. Like I said, it doesn't help the NFC North, but a impressive victory for them nonetheless. And they are going to be a pain in the NFC North's butt moving forward, going back to how they finished the year last year and then picking up this win in Kansas City. They're, I, I'm not ready to quite say like they're for real, for real, but they're going to be a pain in the butt one way or the other moving forward for, for the NFC North. That's to say the absolute least. Meanwhile, let's get to Packers stuff right away. Got an injury update, had the opportunity to attend practice. And of course, we're all scanning the field, who's practicing, who's not. I look immediately to the sidelines where the rehab players are. And I don't see Christian Watson and I'm excited. I'm like, all right, Christian Watson's not with the rehab group. This clearly means he's probably with the, the rest of the players and they're just going through war, like stretching. So you like, it doesn't necessarily mean something, even if somebody's stretching, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to practice, but you don't see him with the rehab group, which is a good sign. You look out and then you realize, oh, he's not there at all. And then it does sound like Matt LaFleur kind of confirmed later that he did get out there at some point. But uh, in the portion that was open to the media, there was no Christian Watson whatsoever. The good news, the really, really good news is that Romeo Dobbs did return to practice. The only two players who were not practicing in any capacity were Christian Watson and David Bakhtiari. Watson, as I mentioned, came out later. We didn't see it. Matt LaFleur mentioned it in his press conference, but he did not practice. The good news also is that with David Bakhtiari not practicing, this is an interesting one because I saw, you know, I think Tom Silverstein, who again, he, Tom does an incredible job covering the team, but he he wrote an article, I think, right after not seeing what, you know, Bakhtiari practice saying like, hey, it's been a while for Bakhtiari and not sure if he's going to be able to go and those sort of things. And when you look at the injury report from Wednesday, it was a did not practice rest. It was not non-injury related. 
So my thought was they're probably just resting him legitimately. And I kind of thought he would play. And then when he didn't practice again on Thursday, you look at the injury report again, it's did not practice due to rest. And then Matt LaFleur says they anticipate him to go. In fact, his full quote was, he's a guy that's banked a ton of reps. He feels good physically. And so we anticipate him being out there on Sunday. Then when Bakhtiari was asked about it in the locker room, he said that his plan was to play. So it looks like Bakhtiari is going to be hopefully full go for that left tackle position. We'll see what he does. He doesn't need a ton of reps. He just doesn't. He is too good at that position. And the one thing that, well, a couple things I want to say about Bakhtiari really quick. Let's just hypothetically say that he has a thousand reps on his body this year. And maybe it's less, maybe it's more, who knows? We don't know for sure, right? But let's just say hypothetically, he has a thousand reps on his body. How, where do you want to use those reps? Do you want to use them in games or do you want to use them in practices? Because I know me personally, I would like to see them in games. No questions asked. Like if he's feeling good enough and he can go out and practice, great. But if he can't, I go back to that Lions game from 2021 when he was out for over a year with the ACL injury and you know, he, his knee was clearly not right yet. He could only get through 30 snaps in that game before he had to leave. And then he didn't play the remainder of that season and not until the following year in week, what, three when he came back? Even in those 30 snaps in that one game, you know what he did? He went out and he looked really good. It wasn't his best game. wasn't phenomenal. wasn't all pro David Bakhtiari. was still really good. And he just, it didn't matter that he was rusty, that his knee wasn't right, that he hadn't played in a year. It, none of it mattered. He still looked really good. And you go back to last year, you know how he looked really freaking good. And he barely practiced last year. So I don't really care how much Bakhtiari practices. And if he does have a limited number of reps or snaps or whatever you want to call it on his body, I would prefer that those get used in an actual game and not in practice. And the last thing I want to say here is there is seemingly out of nowhere, this groundswell of Bakhtiari is lazy and he doesn't want to practice and he doesn't care about the team. That is complete and utter crap. Do you know how you get to be one of the greatest technicians that I have ever seen on the offensive line? It is not by being lazy. This guy worked his butt off. This is not a player who was one of your 10.0 relative athletic score guys that just can out-freak everyone else at the position and it doesn't matter who's across from him because he's just a better athlete. That's not David Bakhtiari. This is not a guy that's just going to go out and overwhelm you, overpower you. He is just an absolute master of his craft and a complete technician at his position. And that just doesn't happen. You don't just all of a sudden like wake up one morning and like, oh, you know what? I know how to play left tackle now. It takes an incredible amount of reps, an insane attention to detail, and a ton of extremely hard work. And I've gone over it for years. The play, like the players that I loved watching in practice more than anyone, you know, Devontae Adams, Jair Alexander, and David Bakhtiari, because of the effort and the intensity and the focus and everything that they put into those practices. So for anyone to question this guy and say that he's not trying, like the dude wanted to get back from it. Like it's not his fault that he had a brutal injury and his knee didn't recover right from it. Like, what do you want the guy to do? I promise you, this is not a guy that took days off at practice. This is not a guy that coasted through training camps. And even when he's out there, when he does practice, it's the same thing. He is working his butt off to make sure that he is the best left tackle that he can possibly be. So this idea that Bakhtiari is lazy and not trying to come back from the injury and he's just, you know, resting on his laurels and, you know, taking all of his millions and just, you know, whatever, it's complete, complete BS, 100%. 
He wants to be out there. He cares about this team. And I promise you when he goes out and plays, he's still going to be really freaking good. And you're not going to care that he missed a few practices because his knee is still not a million percent perfect. That's not his fault. That's just you know, pure and utterly not his fault that his, his knee had that happen. And he's doing everything that he can to make sure that he is ready for game days and can go out there and perform at the best level possible. And we'll see how many games that ends up equating to this year. And then for anyone else that's just like, this is why you should trade David Bakhtiari. Who's trading for the guy that you don't know if he's going to play week in and week out, can't practice, and you don't know how many snaps you're going to get out of him, especially with the contract that he has. If you think that that has a lot of trade value, I'm sorry. I just don't think that it does. So if you are like wanting to get rid of him, why is a GM willing to trade for him? And I do think there's some possibilities there. I do think that with the GM of the Jets, no, not the real GM, the other GM, that maybe you could probably work something out there. But what you're going to get in return for him is probably pales in comparison to what he can give you on the field, even if he plays eight, nine games this year. So it is what it is. It sucks that he got hurt, but this is a guy that works his butt off bar none. And I guarantee you wants to be out there practicing. And he's right. Some people just don't need the same level of practice because they are a master of their position. And that's Bakhtiari. And it just, like I said, it is what it is. And it sucks that there's this narrative of like, uh, just get rid of him or he doesn't care about the position and that stuff. It's just, it's just not the case. So let's just put that to rest, please, please, please. All right, let's jump into our main topic for today, and that is our Packers-Bears scouting report. Had the opportunity to go back and watch the tape from their Week 13 game in Soldier Field. Did a little bit of watching of Week 2, but it's so far long ago from Week 2 and what that what both of those teams were. Uh, even Week 13, there's a lot of guys that are gone and missing and changed and everything. So this is going to be two very different teams than I think we've seen in the past, but if you go back and remember from last year, the Packers went 2-0 against the Bears. In week two, they defeated the Bears 27-10 at Lambeau Field. In week 13, they went down to Chicago at Soldier Field, defeated the Bears 28-19. Bears had nothing to play for at that point. The Packers barely had anything to play for, but were trying to get back on a winning track. That was the first game of their four-game win streak before they would ultimately lose to the Lions in week 18. But I want you to remember something about that Bears game. Yes, the Bears didn't have anything to play for, and they were the worst team in the NFL, clearly. But the Packers prior to that game had lost seven out of eight games. Seven out of eight games, including two in a row prior to that game. And they were down 16 to three at one point. Should have been 17 to three, but the Bears missed the extra point. But 16 to three, and they were down 19 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. That, the Packers could have completely quit on that game and said, it's just over. They lost seven of eight. Everything had gone against them up until that point. They could have quit in that fourth quarter. They're down in Chicago facing a terrible Bears team. They're losing again. Everyone could have quit in that game. They didn't. They came back and won. I'm hesitant to give a team like too many flowers for beating the worst team in football when they had nothing to play for. Uh, you know, So it is what it is. But you know, they still could have quit in that game and they didn't. And I think it was noteworthy nonetheless. And I think a huge reason why they, well, clearly why they had the opportunity to go on that run at the end of the year and even have a chance at the playoffs. And I, I think a reason why probably a couple more of the coordinators and coaches are still around. I think things would have gone drastically different had they lost that game to Chicago and things could have easily spiraled. I think you would have seen Jordan Love after that game because they basically would have been eliminated after that. So didn't happen that way though. Uh, it happened the way that it did. Green Bay came back and won. 
They're week 13. This is the, the starting lineup for Green Bay, just to kind of put you in the mindset of this game. Rodgers was the quarterback. I don't know if you know this, but he's gone now. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, the running backs, they started the game in the pony personnel, pony package. Alan Lazard and Christian Watson at wide receiver. Zach Tom at left tackle. Bakhtiari was out with the appendectomy at that point. Elton Jenkins at left guard. Josh Myers at center. John Runyon Jr. at right guard. And then Yash Nyman at right tackle. Other players who played on offense for Green Bay in that game, Robert Tunyon, Randall Cobb, Samore Toure, Josiah Deguara, Tyler Davis, Sammy Watkins, and Patrick Taylor. Aaron Rodgers, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, Randall Cobb, uh, Davis, uh, who was obviously hurt, Sammy Watkins, and then um, actually I think uh, I may have missed one, but Mercedes Lewis played in that game too. Sorry, Mercedes Lewis was the other one that I missed as a starter. So Mercedes Lewis also clearly not a member of the Packers anymore. In fact, he's on the Bears alongside of Robert Tunyon. So Rogers, Lazard, um, Tunyon, Cobb, Davis, Watkins, and Lewis will not be in this game, clearly. And then Christian Watson potentially not playing as well if he can't be back. So a lot of changeover from the offense from last year going into this year. On the defensive side of the ball, the starters last year, Kenny Clark and Jerron Reed along the defensive line, JJ and Igbare and Preston Smith at edge, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker at inside linebacker, Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, who did play in the slot in that game, Razul on the outside, Stokes was out by this point. Rudy Ford and Adrian Amos at safety. So those were the starters. You had the other players who played in the game, Dean Lowry, Jonathan Garvin, Hollins, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton, and Micah Abernathy got a snap in that game as well. Players who will not be back this year on the defensive side of the ball, Jerron Reed, Adrian Amos, Dean Lowry, Jonathan Garvin, and Micah Abernathy. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We made it. It's officially football season, which means it's the best time of the year, but also it means that I'm going to be really freaking busy. If you're like me and your busy fall season is already in full swing, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Factor lets you level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. 
Personally, I'm trying to eat healthier, so their calorie-conscious options are perfect for my meal plan. They have delicious, dietitian-approved, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Best of all, with Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered directly to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash packaday50 and use code packaday50 to get 50% off. That's code packaday50 at factormeals.com slash packaday50 to get 50% off. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra-quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite? Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Meanwhile, from a grading standpoint, I went back and looked at my grades from that game. My top three offensive players in that game, Elton Jenkins, Christian Watson, so that you would love him to play in this game. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. And then Zach Tom at left tackle. My bottom three uh, graded offensive players in this game, Robert Tunyon, who's now on the Bears, Aaron Rodgers, who's now on the Jets, and Randall Cobb, who's now on the Jets. So the players who didn't play well are gone. The players who did play well are still here, just Christian Watson may or may not play due to the injury. My top three graded players on defense from that game, Kenny Clark, Razul Douglas, and Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos, also a member of the New York Jets. My bottom three graded players, Jerron Reed was my lowest rated player. He's gone. Then Rudy Ford, who will start in this game, and JJ Nagbari, who will be a rotational player, will not have to start in this game. Well, I shouldn't say that. We don't know how they're going to utilize Rashawn. My guess is Rashawn gets to start. They could, you know, maybe start Enigbari. I expect Rashawn and Preston to start, and then Enigbari be a rotational player. Gary basically be a rotational player because he's on a snap count. I think we'll see a little Van Ness, a little Hollins, but we'll see how they do that. But Enigbari probably won't have quite the role that he had in that game last year. Meanwhile, the Bears starters in that game, Justin Fields at quarterback, David Montgomery, who is gone at running back, Dante Pettis, Chase Claypool, Equinemia St. Brown at wide receiver, Colt Komet at tight end, Braxton Jones left tackle, Cody Whitehair left guard, Sam Mustafar at center, Tevin Jenkins right guard, Riley Reef at right tackle. So that offensive line is going to be all, you know, three of the five are, are Mustafer's gone, Tevin Jenkins is on IR, and Riley Reef is gone. So that's going to change. Their wide receivers are going to be a lot different. David Montgomery, we just watched play for the Lions as they beat the Chiefs. So it's going to be a very different offense for Chicago. On the defensive side of the ball, 
Travis Gibson was uh, at the edge alongside Dominique Robinson, Justin Jones and Armand Watts on the interior, Nicholas Morrow and Jack Sanborn at linebacker, Jalen Johnson, Jalen Jones, and Josh Blackwell at corner, Elijah Hicks and DeAndre Houston Carter- Carson at safety. As I mentioned, the offense is going to be a lot different. No uh, Dante Pettis either. On defense, Travis Gibson's gone. Armand Watts is gone. Nicholas Morrow's gone. And DeAndre Houston Carson is gone. Also, guys like Jack Sanborn, probably not going to play as much because they're they're new additions at linebacker. Elijah Hicks isn't going to play much. Jalen Jones and Josh Blackwell aren't going to play much. So it's going to be a lot different defense. Now, if we're looking at this Bears team, and if you're interested in like, all right, what changes did they make? On offense, they drafted Roshan Johnson in the fourth round at running back. DJ Moore came over in the trade from the Carolina Panthers, where Panthers were able to get the number one pick in Bryce Young. They're going to return Darnell Mooney, who did not play in that game. They got Nate Davis to start at right guard, Darnell Wright to start at right tackle, their first round pick. Demarcus Walker's in on defense, along with Yannick Ngakwe at the edge rusher positions. They signed Andrew Billings along the defensive line. They draft Gervin Dexter and Zach Pickens along the defensive interior as well. Early in the draft, I think both were second round picks. Maybe one was an early third, but either way, early draft picks, top 100 picks there along the defensive line. They signed TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edwards, uh, Tremaine Edmonds at inside linebacker. They draft Tyreek Stevenson. Meanwhile, Kyler Gordon, Eddie Jackson, and Jaquan Brisker will all be back who didn't play in that game. So a lot of changeover. So while it's important to look at some of the scouting notes from this game, it's also important to note that there are going to be a lot of changes for both of these teams as they get ready to play each other in week one. Even though it was later in the season last year, these two teams are very, very different. There were some things that stood out that I want to go over though. A.J. Dillon, I thought, had a really nice game in their second game against the Bears in Week 13. He had 18 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown, as well as three receptions for 26 yards. He ran hard. He made the Bears make some business decisions on a couple different occasions, got to the second level. Like, wasn't anything explosive, which has sort of been Dillon's MO, but he ran hard. He ran tough, and Chicago didn't really want much to do with A.J. Dillon on that day. Meanwhile, I talked earlier about Christian Watson and how he had a great day. If you look at his stats, it's like he only had three catches, but it's so much more than that. So he had three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown, including converting a big first down. And the touchdown was was a really big play that they desperately needed at the time. He also had a carry for 46 yards and a touchdown on a little jet sweep that they that basically like basically sealed the game at that point. He also drew a big pass interference penalty. So he had a huge impact in that game. They did not have Romeo Dobbs. So those things could switch if things stay the same right now. If Dobbs is able to play and Watson is not. Last year they had Watson, but not Dobbs. So that is going to be a pretty significant change if that does ultimately take place. As I mentioned, Keyshawn Nixon was in the slot in that game. A couple big plays of note. He had the game ceiling interception at the end of the game, which was a nice play. But he also, if you remember, Justin Fields had like a 50 plus yard run in that game. The the corner came off the edge. Keyshawn Nixon came off the edge. Joe Barry did a great job, had a great play call on. And this is why like sometimes you really have to look at the, the details to be like, all right, was it the coordinator? Was it the players? Joe Barry gets a free rusher right on Justin Fields. Keyshawn Nixon has Justin Fields dead to rights for like an eight yard loss in the backfield. Justin Fields makes Keyshawn Nixon miss and takes it for a 55-yard touchdown. Joe Barry put his player in a position to succeed and Nixon just could not make the play. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on is can Nixon make that play this time? Because he's probably going to get you know in a situation where he's got to go make a play on Justin Fields in this game as well. 
He made a great play on the, the back end to pick off a ball that ended the game, but he needs to make those tackles in the backfield as well. That's something he's done a good job of in preseason and in camp. I think he had the sack in the preseason game, or at least the pressure, and I think it was against the Bengals in that first one. But I'm excited to see Nixon more in the slot, but that's going to be something that he needs to do is make sure he contains Justin Fields and does not allow him that explosive run to the outside. I also thought Razul Douglas and Jair Alexander did a phenomenal job on the outsides, hitting some of that short, uh, like quick passes and, and some of the screens and things like that. Jair had a play sort of similar to that famous play where he got into Justin Jefferson and, and you know immediately on that wide receiver screen, what, two, three years ago now, whatever it was. He had a similar play to that where he just shot into the backfield and made an immediate play on the ball. Listen, Jair and Razul are going to be aggressive on the outsides. That's going to be important because with DJ Moore and, and you know the Bears wanting to get the ball in his hands and some of those short and intermediate plays so that he can use his legs, it's going to be important that Razul and Jair play that stuff well. They did a great job of it in week 13 last year, and hopefully that carries over into week one this year. Another play that stood out, we know at some point that Justin Fields is going to get loose in the open field. And one of the players that Green Bay has that could hopefully contain some of that is Quay Walker. And there was a specific play in that game. Quay wasn't spying on the play, but he was in zone. And Fields took off to the right and Quay made a beeline right toward Justin Fields and made a play right at or around the line of scrimmage. I think maybe Fields picked up a yard on the play, but not a lot of guys can go and make that play in the open field against Justin Fields with Fields' speed. And when he gets a little bit ahead of steam, Quay had no issue with it. He got into the flat, used that great speed, and then made a play on Justin Fields in the open field. So hopefully that is a harbinger of things to come for week one as well, that Quay can continue to make plays like that. Green Bay had a blocked field goal in that game of all things that really swung the momentum in Green Bay's favor. So I do think special teams is going to play a really big role in this game. It did in last game in week 13 and could very well in this game as well. Uh, the Bears, however, did ha- uh, hold Keyshawn Nixon in check in that game. They used Randall Cobb as a punt returner, and this is probably a good indicator of maybe what happens. Nixon played the full game in the slot, or at least the majority of that game in the slot, and they didn't use him as a punt returner in that game. So that could be, and uh, Rich Passaccia has sort of alluded to that. I think there's a really good chance that Jaden Reed is the punt returner, but uh, noteworthy nonetheless that Keisha Nixon had multiple returns in that game and the Chicago Bears did a very nice job on him. So hopefully Green Bay can get him going in this game, but if not, it's going to make Jordan Love have to go the length of the field a little bit more, which is not ideal with a first-time starter making it, well, first-time, you know, starting face of the franchise quarterback making his first start of the season. Meanwhile, Jair Alexander had an interception in both games against Justin Fields and the Bears last year. So hopefully, you know, continue that trend. Justin Fields in the second game in that week 13 matchup was 20 of 25 for 254 yards, but zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Mentioned the one to Jair and the Keyshawn Nixon one as well. He did have six carries for 71 yards and a touchdown, including the long of 55 yards. In their first matchup, however, Fields was only seven of 11 for 70 yards, no touchdowns, one pick, eight carries, 20 yards, and a touchdown. So in the two games last year, Fields threw zero touchdowns against Green Bay and three interceptions. He did have the two touchdown runs, however. PFF in uh, week two last year had Justin Fields with a 40.8 grade, which was the worst of any player on offense for them. In the second game, he gave them, uh, he gave, they gave Fields a 90.4 grade in that week 13 matchup, the second best grade on offense for the Bears in that game. And uh, obviously a whole heck of a lot different than his week two performance last year. 
The Bears were only able to muster three sacks in the two games against the Packers last year. Two of them for Travis Gibson, one for Robert Quinn, neither of those guys on the team any longer, which is going to be interesting to see if Yannick Ngakwe and uh, you know Demarcus Walker and those guys are able to generate pressure. I think that's going to be one of the really big question marks for Chicago going into this game. All right, so as I watch this, I, I made some notes of things that I think Green Bay can do in this game. The first is stretch the Bears' defense. They did a really nice job of that in the second game, uh, where they really you know just made sure that they were running jet sweeps and motions and getting things out wide, and it really stretched the Bears' defense thin. And I would be very surprised if Green Bay does not try to do that again. Now they did go out and get you know Tremaine Edmonds in free agency, which he's got that sideline to sideline speed. They're going to have Eddie Jackson in that safety where they didn't in that game last year. They're going to have Jaquan Brisker. The corners are going to be better. So this Bears defense is going to be playing a lot faster than I think they did in that week 13 game, but even more reason where you want to use that illusion of complexity, use a lot of motion, some sweeps, some power running with AJ Dillon. Just make sure there's a variety there that this defense is constantly thinking This is the first time that this defense has really played together. They've got a lot of new players. And I think if Green Bay can give them some things to think about, maybe they don't communicate it right. Maybe some players aren't on the same page and Green Bay can take advantage of some of those mistakes. I really think you can still attack the edges. Yes, they get Ngakwe. Yes, they get Walker. I just don't think Chicago has enough talent at edge. Ngakwe is not a great run defender. Last year in week 13, they did a lot of those little pitches to the outside that worked really, really well. Expect, and then they did the the jet sweeps. We saw the Watson touchdown that we talked about. I think Green Bay is going to try to exploit those edge players again. Not only do I think it's, you know, they're not going to have a great day at the office trying to get to the quarterback against Zach Tom, who was one of the highest rated players in that game for me last year, but also probably Bakhtiari. I think it's going to be tough for those edge rushers, but I also think they can struggle against the the run as well. And I think Green Bay should test those edge rushers and, and just edge players as much as they possibly can. And then I also think you can test the middle of the field a little bit. Tremaine Edmonds did not look great in his limited playing time in preseason. TJ Edwards, not known for his coverage. Jack Sanborn, not known for his coverage. Unleash your new weapon. Let Luke Musgrave and the other one too, Jaden Reed, let those guys work over the middle a little bit. I think you can have some success there. Bears aren't used to a quarterback, uh, you know, playing the Packers and having a quarterback that that attacks the middle of the field as often. Rodgers didn't do it. I think Love will. And I think Green Bay can find some success there as well. From a defensive game plan side of things, Clearly, you want to take away Justin Fields' legs first. You got to find a way to make sure that he's not beating you with his legs. You also want to make sure you take away DJ Moore's run after the catch. And that's going to be really up to the corners and safeties, which has been a little bit of an issue for them in the past. These safeties, Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, they have to put the word safe in the word safety and make sure that they are playing safe, smart football, and not giving up those explosive plays, getting DJ Moore to the ground, rallying to the football. That's going to be really important because we know Moore is a playmaker. And if he gets the ball in his hands, he can make some incredible things happen. So taking that away, taking Fields' running ability away, easier said than done, but those have to be one and one eight. Going back to last year, they didn't take away Justin Field or uh, Justin Jefferson last year in week one. They can't make that same mistake with Justin Fields and DJ Moore this time. I do think you're going to see a lot of zone defense in this game. And you might feel like, oh, like, did they not learn anything? However, you don't want to turn your back to Justin Fields. You turn your back to Justin Fields and he gets one lane. It's a 20 yard run at least. And I think you've got to be really careful. And yes, you can spy a little bit with Quay, but that then takes a player away. 
it just gets a little bit more complicated. So they did a nice job in zone against Justin Fields last year. I think they can do it again this year. But if you know, don't get frustrated if you see a lot of zone and maybe not playing that press man to man. First of all, you have to have a variety that you call in the modern NFL, but also I just don't think you want to turn your back to fields a ton. So don't be surprised if you see a lot of zone. Uh, what else here? Um, I do think it's going to be a more aggressive zone. However, I think they're going to play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, not give up those easy completions. And certainly those ones to the outside where you just get a bubble screen or something to DJ Moore, and he can do the heavy lifting from there. So I think it'll be an aggressive zone and, you know, maybe with some gap penetrating as well up front. I think the big question is, is Green Bay going to pressure? Or are they going to contain? My guess is contain and play a little bit more zone and keep everything in front of them. But you know, Green Bay has been talking about being more of a pressure team and, and being a little bit more aggressive up front. It's going to be interesting because it's great. It sounds great on, on you know paper, but all of a sudden you get a little bit overextended. Justin Fields can take one of those rushes to the house. So you got to be careful too. I think that's going to be one of the big questions in this game. Overall, I think there's going to be a big time feeling out process in this game. Both teams are entirely different teams than they were a season ago. I think you're going to see a lot of unscouted looks. And I think there's a very good reason why this is basically a coin flip in Vegas. I read it the same exact way. I think this could go in either direction. Should be a great game. Meanwhile, I've got Ben Fennel coming up on Saturday. You're going to want to make sure you check out that episode. We got the pregame show on Sunday. I'm going to be doing a live postgame show as soon as the game is done. So make sure to check that out as well. I'm going to be doing happy hour on today, Friday, 4 p.m. Lambo time. Make sure you check that out. Subscribe, like, comment, look into memberships if you're interested. And you know, while you're at it, do something nice for someone today as well. That does it for me today. I will see you guys right back. Well, hopefully here tonight on uh, happy hour, but also right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. But until next time, and as always, go Paco. Thank you.